Thanks for joining the Rethink and Retool podcast with Mayhul Mankad, MD, where we take a look at the people side of healthcare and new ideas about enhancing overall well-being. So welcome. The doctor is in the house. Welcome to the Rethink and Retool podcast sponsored by Alliance Health. I'm your host, Mayhul Mankad, psychiatrist and chief medical officer for Alliance. And I want to start today's episode with a question. What happens when the ninth most populous state in the U.S. chooses a secretary of health and human services with lived experience? Like me, you've probably been hearing more and more about this idea of social determinants of health, sometimes called social drivers of health. The concept essentially says that issues such as affordable housing, access to healthy food, neighborhood safety, and other factors have a greater effect on health outcomes than what we think of as standard healthcare interventions like doctor visits. That's a bold statement, especially since we are approaching a $4 trillion a year budget for healthcare spending in this country. To say that Secretary Cody Kinsley came from modest beginnings would be an undersell of his background. Secretary Kinsley didn't have health insurance until he reached his 20s. He now oversees the health care of approximately 2 million North Carolinians who access Medicaid and CHIP benefits. So how does a first-generation college graduate think about social drivers of health? Where does the national conversation of purchasing health not just health care, fit into the plans Secretary Kinsley has for North Carolina. Let's find out. Secretary Kinsley, thank you so much for joining us on the Rethink and Retool podcast by Alliance Health. Oh, thanks, Mahal. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. And so in your role as the Secretary for Health and Human Services for the state of North Carolina, the ninth most populous state in the union. Did I get all of that right? I think I got it right. So far, so good. <laughs> okay, good, good. Awesome. Um, tell us uh, what's on your mind these days. You know, <clears throat> I, I think about North Carolinians like my mom and my dad and my brother and my grandmother who all, you know, live in different places across North Carolina and the experiences that they have had over the last several years as we have been battling against COVID-19. Um, you know, they've each had very different experiences. You know, my mom, uh, you know, she found her work incredibly disrupted. She cleans houses and COVID oh, wow. made it very difficult for her to do that work. Um, and to the point where she's just pretty much given up on working and gone into retirement a bit earlier than she wanted. And, um, and, and that has been, you know, partly also facilitated by some medical issues she was having with her knees. And, you know, I think about my, my grandmother who is in an adult care home and her experience through this. Uh, and I think about my brother who, you know, works for a construction company and travels all across the Carolinas doing work, uh, and, um, has been around a lot of different folks with a lot of different opinions about the state of the pandemic and how to move forward. So I, I think in my little focus group of my family, you know, I think about the re what recovery means to them. 
So this is not, you know, when, when I, um, am like a consumer who ingests things that you write, uh, or that your team produces, you know, I, I see you as a, a senior healthcare executive, um, as a, a policy uh, machine, um, but this is personal for you. Uh, I, you know, I, I had the great privilege of coming home to North Carolina four years ago after doing a tour of duty in DC. And, uh, you know, and it's a, I see it as a duty to continue to do this work and to, to pay forward to the state that made such a difference in my life. And so you, you were saying the word recovery and what recovery means to you and, and to your family and to the other, uh, 9 million plus North Carolinians. Uh, what, what, what do you mean by that? So I think it starts with, with building on some of the things that came out of our response to COVID, right? You know, I like to look back at the work that we did during COVID and, and I call certain things crisis You know, we were able okay. to advance collaborative partnerships that we've never had before. We worked with people, connected with folks, built systems that we had never done in the past. We, we also were able to build data and accountability systems that we've never had before. You know, measuring the course of the pandemic, um, you know, standing up wastewater surveillance and a number of other novel tracking mechanisms that we've not had and then analyze and share that data publicly in ways that we couldn't. Um, and then we were also able to build a channel of communication with the public. I mean, more people know about our department now than they probably ever have before. So I think foundationally recovery starts by how do we build on those operational building blocks to look ahead? That's great. And so, you know, what I was hearing two years ago about your department uh, is that you did 10 years of work in two weeks. Um, and I think what I'm hearing from you now is let's not lose momentum. Um, if we have made these partnerships and collaborations and broken ground on, you know, for example, telehealth uh, flexibilities and, and other things well beyond healthcare, um, where do we take it from here to keep improving the lives of, of people uh, in North Carolina? That's right. And, you know, we have a great teaching or learning moment in the pandemic to recognize that health is so much more than the health care that you get at a doctor's office. That's important. And more people in North Carolina should have access to that in an affordable way than they do. But we also learned in the pandemic that, you know, my ability to have paid time off impacts my health. My ability to have access to healthy food um, impacts my health. It also impacts my neighbor's health, right? And, you know, our investments in those drivers of health are not only important, but they're high value investments, and we know that, you know, food, transportation, employment, and safety are core fundamental drivers of health. And our ability to put dollars and resources and programs into those is um, renders better health outcomes for people. Uh, and it's also just a really good investment for the state. That's, and, you know, that's, that's interesting. That I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, no, no. That, keep, go ahead. So, you, you know, you're, you're saying that uh, things like, uh, and I might throw in affordable housing in there as well, but uh, uh, food security, um, housing, public safety, um, uh, access to the outdoors, uh, those sorts of things are actually on your radar. Um, so you're not just kind of thinking of health uh, as, you know, going to the doctor's office and getting your blood pressure checked. 
That's right. I mean, you know, our, our country spends more on health care than any others, yet core measures of health are lower than many. Um, you know, we we're clearly not putting our dollars in the place where it matters most. Uh, and so from the front end, you know, investing more in those drivers of health matter, but also looking at the impacts and measuring, you know, where our dollars are getting spent, right? People who end up experiencing homelessness and the dollars that our social safety systems serve for those populations, you know, it's very expensive. Investing in upfront healthcare services that prevent that need in the end, a better investment. Similar with our justice system, you know, 70% of people in our justice system have a substance use disorder, right? Investing in the front end around diversion and health and recovery and connections to employment that help prevent substance use disorders, much cheaper than sustaining jails and prisons to that degree. So we have an opportunity to really shift how we spend our dollars and invest in the things that matter. And for me, that is what recovery begins to look like. Wow. So I guess what I'm hearing from you is that sometimes uh, when when the stars align for one reason, and, you know, in this case, uh, maybe COVID, um, you can really use that as a force multiplier to to achieve uh, other gains that that uh, we should have been doing uh, all along. Well, you know, I think that, the again, one of the major crisis of COVID was that it gave us all a united vision of what we needed to do. We had to focus. And as we look ahead, I see three areas that we have to focus on to really get maximum value. First and foremost is behavioral health, right? The substance use and mental health issues that we're all facing and all experiencing, you know, the far too languished issues that we must address that are high impact, high value opportunities. Second, specific to child and family well-being. We've had a generation of children impacted by this uh, experience, and we know that they struggle with their resiliency more than adults do because they just have less life experience to build on. Uh, and then last but certainly not least uh, is reinvesting in our workforce. You know, everybody knows a nurse or a CNA or somebody who was on the front lines of this pandemic stepping up for us. And now we have to invest back in them. To me, as we survey the opportunities of things we can do, the endless opportunities of problems we can solve, if we focus our efforts in those three areas, I see an opportunity for us to really catapult forward and recover stronger as a state. That's, that sounds amazing. I want to get more into that, uh, but for a, a minute, we're just going to break away uh, to hear um, from our sponsor, uh, Alliance Health. And uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to start with uh, a guilty pleasure of Secretary Kinsley. Be right back. At Alliance, we see healthcare differently than some. Every day, we walk alongside the people we serve on their chosen path to recovery and self-determination. We believe in healthcare that concentrates on the whole person, including support that promotes physical, social, emotional, and financial well-being, and housing security. Helping people live healthier, more satisfying lives, that's the Alliance way. Secretary Kinsley, uh, thank you for uh, coming back. Uh, so um, I said that we would ask you a tough personal question. Yes, you're ready, and I'm I know you've 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 been um, 
through the ringer, you've been asked a lot of different things. It's been hard to sleep knowing this was coming. I, yeah, right, right. So, and I, I will, I'll put it this way. If, 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 uh, if you tell me yours, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you mine. Um, your favorite flavor of ice cream. <laughs> um, unequivocally pistachio. Oh, you're kidding. It's terrific. Wow. What, so what is it about pistachio? Well, you know, it's green, which is the color of mental health awareness. So okay. that's, a, right. that's, that's a start. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a well, nut, not so it's, it's, it's a healthy ice cream option. Of course it's healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As all ice creams are right. That's it's right. got, you know, dairy. <laughs> healthy bones. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You know, I think, uh, I think that, um, uh, I've always just, uh, you know, a little bit odd ice cream. Honestly. I, okay. I'm, I'm going to make a change. I think my favorite ice cream that I can never find anywhere is sweet corn. Oh my goodness. That when sounds I, amazing. When I was, uh, living far, far away in California in graduate school, there was a ice cream place. And in the summer after corn season, they would make sweet corn ice cream and it was just terrific, but it's so interesting and puzzling to like be eating a vegetable ice cream um, and our starchy ice cream. Uh, But it was, it was terrific. So what about you? What's your favorite? Uh, So, yeah. So for me, it's also one that I can never, I can get in December. It's peppermint ice cream and it has to have little bits of candy cane. (laughs) <laughs> so interesting you know candy canes are not my my candy not your thing not your do you thing. like candy canes by themselves uh, not so much just in the <laughs> <Okay>. ice cream <laughs> <laughs> it would be weird if i told you i don't eat corn that's right that's right <laughs> um so so coming back to um those those three things uh that you were mentioning um I'd, I'd love to know, you know, wh- where do we go from here? Um, you mentioned uh, mental health, uh, children, and um, I believe uh, kind of livelihood or job job training. Workforce, yeah. Workforce. And it was that, I'm sorry, was that the healthcare workforce or just the workforce in general? Great question. Thank you. I think that, I think we have to... S- Obviously, we have got to focus on our healthcare workforce. You know, I think about the gaps that we have in nurses, but also direct support professionals, um, you know, and and building that pipeline. But, you know, we also know going back to that concept of drivers of health, that work is a driver of health. And, uh, you know, right now, tightest labor market in a generation, yet we've got a lot of folks that have a disability or in recovery who are systematically left out of the workforce. Uh, And we have an opportunity, um, not only for our economy, but more importantly for their health, to give them a pathway to a a job. And, uh, And I know that, you know, we have employers that are, you know, investing a lot of resources in talent uh, recruitment, uh, big in, you know, incentive bonuses, increased pay, you know, those dollars can also go to, uh, accommodations and supports that help bring people into the workforce that may have stepped out of the workforce because of, a, of an injury or a disability. Um, and, uh, and I think there's an opportunity for us to, to do that, that will pay a lot of dividends for people and for uh, the people of North Carolina. So that's an, that's a really interesting idea. And, you know, the, the name of the podcast is rethink and retool. So I, I think the the innovation 
that I'm hearing from you is for us to expand the definition of who is eligible to work um, and to be more creative uh, with uh, whom we we seek uh, in in the workforce and, and not to be as as restrictive. Well, I think with with each of our priorities, and I think this goes back to the idea of investing in things that give us value. You know, we um, we tackle we tend to tackle problems head on, but often coming at the true problem means coming from the side, right? So we have big workforce gaps. What do we do to think creatively about bringing more people into the workforce? How does that help a lot of folks in a lot of different ways? With children, you know, we build a lot of supports around children to the point where children are getting wrapped around all these different systems that don't work well together, right? How do we build and invest in systems that bring those things together? And how do we recognize that perhaps the most important foundational aspect of a healthy child is a healthy family? And how do we invest in parents, uh, supports for substance use disorder, professional parenting, a number of other things that help sustain and build healthy kids by having healthy families and breaking those cycles of trauma, you know, and, and, and last, but certainly not least is, you know, on, on mental health, when I think of behavioral health, you know, broadly, you know, we've seen a lot of folks, unfortunately, um, fall out of recovery from their substance use disorder or fall back into more serious mental illness issues because they've lost routines, they've lost employment, they've lost housing, um, and so investing in those things to stabilize that matters. So, so I'm interested in, in rethinking and retooling how we target our interventions and going to the highest value opportunity to, to make a difference. Uh, that's remarkable. Um, and I think the piece uh, for me that, that sinks in is this idea that um, pursuing better health outcomes is more than what happens um, with healthcare providers. Um, we really have to think much more broadly. That's right. And I think that, you know, it can be hard. It can be daunting because, you know, where do you start? And I think I go back to, you know, if we can organize around some key domains, right? I think the ones that are really not just proven to be impactful, but ready for investment are employment, food, interpersonal safety and transportation, you know, and I agree that housing is also really important as are other things, but you know, where we start matters. And if we can have some concerted effort around that, not just what we're doing at the department, what we're doing with our partners like Alliance and others and what we're doing beyond that, um, our employer partners, um, gives us a great opportunity to just like in COVID try to move 10 years in two weeks time. How do we make some leapfrog forwards here, uh, and, and make some big difference for folks. That's fantastic. Um, now, what, what I'd love to hear from you as, as we um, close uh, today's uh, time uh, together is something that gets you going. You know, why do you do the work that you do? Uh, you have so many different opportunities that you, you could be doing a lot of different things, but you choose uh, to serve the people. Um, and uh, what what is it um, that gets you out of bed? Well, uh, the alarm, but also <laughs> that you're going to say your dog. <laughs> That's true. He does. He does. He's, he has me very well trained. He tiptoes outside the door right at breakfast time. Uh, so that is that is very reliable. I mean, you know, I said some of this in the beginning, and, I, and I'll say it again. You know, I grew. Up, I had the great privilege 
of growing up in North Carolina and having access to terrific public schools, to, um, you know, programs that made investments in me, uh, even though I was one of the many kids at that time that did not have health insurance. And I grew up in a household where, you know, we made use of many of the programs, the patchwork of programs that our department runs. Uh, and it gave me, you know, it gave me the opportunity to work hard, make a difference. And, and you know, and, and given that opportunity, um, you know, I asked myself, what do I, what do I owe to the people who invested in me? How do I pay this forward? And, and what keeps me interested in this work is the opportunity to make a difference. And, uh, and it's, you know, there's plenty of opportunity right now. Secretary Kinsley, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. The Rethink and Retool Healthcare in the New Era podcast is produced by Alliance Health, a North Carolina public managed care organization. The show is produced by Brandon Alexander. Our associate producer is Denise Dirks and executive producer is Doug Fuller. View our show notes and hear other episodes at alliancehealthplan.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in.